Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilot, Matt O'Leary. Matt, how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm still a little bummed out after that loss on Sunday, but quick turnaround, so you got to kind of put that in the rear view pretty quick. Uh -oh. Sorry, I'm hacking up a lung over here. Um, yeah, dude, oh, that loss, just brutal brutal boys and girls as you're hopping into the stream make sure you hit that like button our good buddy green bean isn't feeling so hot tonight so he's going to be taking the night off apparently when matt saw green bean this past weekend matt and green bean doing a little bit of kissing and that whatever matt yeah, caught last week <laughs> matt, or whatever matt had last week green bean caught ago, this yeah. week <laughs> yeah uh no no bueno there uh just want to say it was awesome to see to see green bean we missed you ryan but uh it was a good time dom c was there so i got to meet dom c oh. um green bean is the best his family was just as nice i met his two sisters i met his mom mama bean it was a great time Ooh, i love it happy birthday green bean this past thursday was green bean's birthday so we're thinking about you and we hope you feel better uh maybe we'll see him in the chat who knows uh, if you're just hopping in, make sure you hit that like button. For every 25 likes we get on this video, we're going to pick a qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the stream. And if you're watching after the fact, all you got to do is hit a uh, comment down below this video and you get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. So without further ado, let's jump into some of the football news. Obviously, Jets had a game this past weekend. The Lions versus the Jets. Jets lose to the Lions 20-17 to on a heartbreaking 50-yard fourth downplay again uh scoring a touchdown and then the jets just not being able to to come back in those final moments there matt what were your thoughts on the game overall yeah i feel like they beat themselves in so many different ways like really ever since the game ended on sunday and the last two days talking about this you know on on twitter and in video form there's so many like starting off early in the game the special teams blunder just Braden man is terrible man it's just mm -hmm. unbelievable if he had six punts and five of them were terrible um and then you add in the inconsistencies with zach um you, you add in the clock management at the end of the game uh, and then obviously the defense letting up um a touchdown in that spot was brutal i think they all play a factor it's not just one thing that is the reason why they lost it was a team effort yeah this feels like oddly similar to the minnesota game but but also different in the same way it felt like a team loss again like i can't peg this loss on any one specific unit like as much as i want to blame the the special teams for giving up the touchdown the defense allowed the the lions offense to go all the way down to the half yard line so they, we were put in a bad situation anyway and then to compound it they give up the touchdown then the defense gives up the long fourth down play and then you know we could talk about zach he's nowhere near the top of the list in terms of of reasons why we lost the game uh, and then you got Robert Sala and the the uh, questionable timeout or lack thereof calling towards the end of the game there. And it's just, it's really frustrating to see. And it felt very much like a team loss. Um, but this one hurts. And we got a little bit of luck because the Dolphins lost to the Bills and the Patriots lost in spectacular Amazing. fashion. Uh, was there anything better <laughs> this past weekend than watching the Patriots loss? No, you know, it eased the pain of that Jets loss a little bit because I was still pretty bummed out Sunday evening, but I couldn't fully enjoy Mac Jones getting thrown around like a rag doll, rag doll by Chandler uh, Jones because, uh, well, the Jets blew their game. But uh, yeah, kind of, you know what? How about that's worse and more embarrassing than the butt fumble, by the way. But uh, who knows if that's going to get remembered as long. 
so that we were talking about that yesterday on the call-in show, and it was like, all right, what is worse, the butt fumble or that stiff arm, which I don't know if there's a name for already, but there needs to be a name. So guys, let us know if you come up with a name because of this. But I would argue the butt fumble was more embarrassing, but the whatever that lateral play was was far more impactful. The Jets were already going to lose the butt fumble game with or without the butt fumble being there. The Patriots lost this game when they had the opportunity to jump in front of the Dolphins for a playoff spot. And it was just amazing. I, I think the more interesting question for me is who had the better stiff arm, Quinn and Williams on Tyreek Hill or Chandler Jones on Mac Jones? <laughs> they were both phenomenal. I think they need to be like I uh, on T-shirts. Maybe, you know, I'm highly considering getting the Quinn and Williams one tattooed on my body. I have no tattoos, Ugh. but that just needs to live forever. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's tough. You know, for me, the Quinn and one, because that felt mm -hmm. personal because Tyreek Hill was very... Uh, adamant mm. about why he didn't want to come to the Jets. So I think I like that one a little better. Yeah, that's kind of where I fall on it, too. As much as, like, the Chandler Jones one really helps us out, I really enjoy the uh, the the personal touch that Quinnen gave to us. And it felt like felt, felt really good that he was the one that did it. It wasn't some, like, no-name player. It was like, this is clearly our best defensive player. It's been fun to watch. But let's go into this Lions game just a little bit further. I want to talk about... Uh, Zach Wilson, obviously it's not anything uh, as far as, you know, a, a terrible stat line by any means, but the, the completion percentage is still concerning here. Uh, Zach finishes 18 of 35, 51% completion percentage, 317 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, four sacks. Matt, I want to hear your thoughts on Zach's game this past week. It was a roller coaster ride. There were some amazing moments, and then there were some absolutely horrific moments. I guess we'll start with the positive. Uh, he did the pro day throw where he rolled left and hit a hit a guy going right and deep for a touchdown to CJ Uzama. I love that. I thought he made a, a ton of other big throws. For instance, the Garrett Wilson throw right, but the play before that to set that up, the Jeff Smith bomb at the end of the first half was was good. Um, and there was even a couple of big throws on that final drive that I thought were really impressive. But then you have the absolutely brain dead interception, just not reading the cover three and chucking it up for grabs. And he melted down after that. Like he, he that third quarter looked very, very similar to what we were seeing in the second New England Patriots game. Uh, and then just too many times where guys are open and there's a clean pocket and he's just missing. It's like you have to be able to make those throws. The layup throws have to be made. Um, but then he, he gives you the glimmer of hope with those big plays. It's it's really frustrating. It's a roller coaster ride watching him. Um, I, I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was good either because there were there were too many mistakes in there. But it, it's just it's frustrating right now to to try and watch him because you see the talent, you see the upside, but then you also see the very low floor at times too. Yeah, I think frustrating is the perfect word for this for this guy right here. I mean, it's just every time you see like a wow play, like you mentioned the pro day throw where he's running to his left and he rips it across the field to, to Uzama. I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy's got it. But then you look at the first four throws of the game and he's missing Mims behind him. He's missing Garrett Wilson over his head. He's missing like left, right, and sideways. And it's just, it's frustrating. We saw Robert Salas say something along the lines of, you know, in this instant coffee world, you know, everyone just wants success right off the bat. And I don't know if I necessarily, I don't disagree. I think that's more, a, you know, an issue with the collective bargaining agreement and how quarterbacks contracts are now structured. But I do think that, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of what you got to live with. And it's not like Zach Wilson is playing 
you know, 20th worst quarterback. He's playing like the worst <laughs> quarterback right now. So it's like to, to see him hit all those hard throws and just not hit the easy stuff is, is just so incredibly frustrating, especially when you see the success of someone like Brock Purdy out in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make it any easier or the guys that, you know, last pick in the draft, but it, things just look easy. And he's doing the little things. And, like, that's kind mm. of the comparison that I make for why I think Mike White is better right now. And that's not to say that, you know, who knows? Maybe in the offseason, Zach fixes his mechanics and the footwork and it all clicks for him. And That's not out of the realm of possibilities because the talent is obviously there. But mm. White is not going to make the easy things hard, which is exactly what Zach is doing. And someone like Brock Purdy, has one of the best offensive minds in football and Kyle Shanahan scheming guys wide open, but he's doing the little things right. And they've been extremely productive. Yeah. I mean, you look at the wide receivers too. Garrett Wilson has been victim of this a little bit. He is uh, very, he wears his emotion on his sleeve and Robert Sala was actually asked about this at his press conference today. You know, is it an issue that, that Garrett Wilson is kind of, you know, maybe showing some visible displays of frustration on the field? Should he be bottling it up a little bit more? And I understand the thought process there. I think the optics don't look great, but it, Robert Sala had a really good answer for it. It was like, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson is also the guy that that hugs his teammates first. He's right there to, you know, cheer him on. And I, I do see that. I think he does wear his his emotions on his sleeve. I don't love the optics. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I don't think it's done with a malicious intent. No, I'm with you there. I saw a lot of... I would call it overreaction when with the frustration that he showed on that third down miss. I look at that more of like a heat of the moment thing. Like he's just, he's a competitor. He wants to, you know, get that first down and wants the offense to go down and get points. But I don't know if you saw, I think Ali was actually the one who sent it out um, on, on Instagram. There was a video of Garrett Wilson, like hugging Zach Wilson and like talking to yeah. him right after the game. And then they go into the locker room. Like to me, that doesn't say, oh, my God, I, I don't want to play for this guy. It just shows that in the moment he was frustrated on the field. And then after the mm -hmm. game, he's still supportive of his guy, which I think is fine. I'm good with that. Yeah, I think even if Mike White were throwing the ball, I think you'd st still see that same level of frustration from from Garrett. If I think if he feels like he beat his man and the throw is off, he'd, he'd be you know irritated because he wants to win. He wants to put his best effort forward uh, on each play. So, uh, you know, I had I had a lot of people upset with me. <laughs> about Zach Wilson because okay. I was really I was hot on the Zach Wilson thing I was like yo this is getting ridiculous you can't have a 50% completion percentage I know the Lions are playing better than they have you know in years past and that they have more of a their ranking is not indicative of how they're currently playing um, but man losing the way we lost to New England and then having all the oh but it's the Bears and it's the backup quarterback and we actually get a win but then having the are the the Lions, the Vikings, and the the Bills all losses? This has been rough. This has been a, a tough stretch here, and I, you know, it's disappointing knowing we were at six and three at the bye, to being seven and seven right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they started five and two in their first seven, and then over the next seven, they've been two and five. That's, um, it's really tough. They obviously hit their uh, a blip in their season, losing three in a row. Um, it, it's just. It's frustrating, and it's so many. As we said, it's so many different reasons why they lost. It's just not. It's not only the quarterback. The quarterback was a part of it on Sunday, um, mm. but as we mentioned, there were multiple reasons why they lost. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about another one of those reasons. Robert Sala's clock management. He had three timeouts with a minute and forty nine seconds left on the clock. The Jets wound up settling for a fifty eight yard field goal on first down with a timeout in the pocket. Still, uh, what were your thoughts of Sala's? final 
drive, and do you think he's the biggest reason the Jets did not win this game? I don't know if it's the biggest reason. Um, it is pretty high up there on the list, though. Again, I kind of weight all these things pretty close to equally for the reasons why mm -hmm. they lost. It's not one thing that jumps out and, like, that's it. That's why they lost, but... How he doesn't take that time out after the Garrett Wilson reception when there was like, I think it was like 45 mm -hmm. or 48 seconds left, something like that, yeah. is inexcusable. And I know after the game, he came out and said that um, he didn't want to chance them reviewing the spot and then make it a fourth down play. I was trying to get up to the line and get something going quick, but uh, he admitted today that that was a mistake, um, that he should have took the time out there, but... You know, attempting a 58-yard field goal with one second left and a timeout in your pocket, that feels pretty rough. Yeah, I think we could have had another play or two if you wind up, you know, moving the ball a little bit better and uh, using your timeout strategically. I thought the sacks that Zach took were were definitely frustrating. There was one on first or second down that, that was, you know, where we had to burn our first one, I think. Um, and then some of the throws, too. I mean, there was a – Elijah Moore was wide open on a crossing route uh just before the long fourth down play and i'm just thinking like man if he had hit more there and we gained an extra 10 yards and it's a 48 yard kick and zerline's not trying to kick it out of the stadium um you know maybe there's a different outcome there but it just it it sucks that it came down to that point in the game because robert salah's defense flubbed up a coverage <laughs> And like, yeah. you know, the tight end score, like when you, when you search by slowest tight ends in Madden, I'm pretty sure this dude's like the last tight end that shows up. Yeah. And on that drive before it, he had like a brutal drop and I was like, oh my God, like, thank God. I don't even know who this is, um, yeah. I, but I appreciate that. Um, and then just a blown coverage. And I've seen a lot of people uh, throwing CJ Mosley under the bus for it. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think it was more on uh, Quincy. I think that was his guy. That's and what he I heard. Really. He bit really hard on, uh, on the run or the play action. Uh, and then it was just guy wide open. Cause if you look from like the, the coach's box film, you see mostly yeah. like running down the field, all pissed like that obviously wasn't his guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reaction from Mosley was slamming the helmet and the, the optics of where Mosley was in comparison to the tight end made me feel like Mosley was at fault. And then I think, I, I think it was Samini that posted that. It's like, Oh yeah, it wasn't Mosley's uh, guy. And they're like, Oh, who was it? And they're like, Oh, we're not going to get into it. And then, you know, like you said, Quincy seems like the one that was, you know, at fault for that. Um, yeah, this one's frustrating because Salah, for me, this is an opportunity where good coaches can can have a legitimate impact on the field. And and with a coach, I feel like there's a vibe for a team. Like, they, they set the, the tone, but you actually have a tangible out, like, you know, you can control this clock to an extent. You, can, you can't control what the players do, but you can control this. And the Jets even hired a dude, uh, Coach Smash, to to watch game time, you know, analytics and and what the best clock management should be. Like that stuff is uh, is frustrating. We have a guy in-house to do this and he flubbed it up. Yeah, you know, it's he botched it. He he did and he has to be on the list. He's, you know, culpable for it as well. Like I said, it's kind of hard to rank them. I will say though, I don't know if you saw this, but uh Joe Namath blaming the kicker. Greg Zerloin for the loss is a bit much. Oh, you can't do that. I think Namath's just old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just take, just take the phone away. <laughs> take the smartphone away. You know, wheel him out once a year, wave at the crowd, and then, you know, put him back wherever he, he goes. He, I'm pretty sure Namath is using the T9 word to text still. I don't think he's got a full keyboard. <laughs> yeah, no, no shot. <laughs> no, no, no pictures being taken on that thing. Uh, well, we have a quick turnaround. Clearly, 
with the the short week the Jets are going up against the Jaguars were one and a half point dogs at home with Zach Wilson officially slated to start. I think it was a long stretch for Mike White to even get any sort of consideration for this week, considering he needed bones to heal. Now we do have a mini bye week. We'll have 10 days off before our next game. So there is hope if the Jets do pull out a win that Mike White uh, will get another opportunity this week. It's going to be the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence going up against the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson, all because of our punter, Brayden Mann not making a damn tackle. Could have been the same matchup, but vice versa. <laughs> uh, yeah, frustrating uh, to go back a couple of years and uh, frustrating now that they are uh, home underdogs, but here you go. And uh, yeah, it's Lawrence is hitting his stride right now. I think he has 14 touchdown passes since week nine. It's, it's Yeah, like I think it's one interception too. Like it's just... Yep. Uh, I, I want to like win this game in the worst way. And I hope we do everything in our power to win this game. I'm just praying that it's bad weather and that like Trevor Lawrence is kind of taken out of this game. They have to run the jets have Quinn and Williams back. We're pinning our ears back a little bit more like, and, and then even Jacksonville coming up to the cold weather. I want it blisteringly cold. Any sort of advantage the jets could possibly get is what I want, because if you get through this game, I do think Mike White comes back. If we lose this game, actually, I guess we could do this. Yeah, pull that Let's up. see. Bam! Ooh. Look at this. See, now we'll do it from here. Uh, so the Jets, there are situations where the Jets can lose <laughs> against the Jaguars. Uh, as long as they win out and have a little bit of help, there could be a 43% chance of getting into the playoffs. A loss to Seattle, but wins with Jacksonville and Miami would be a 56% chance of getting in. And then there's a 98% chance if we win all three. So that's the goal. You got to get all three wins right here and hope the Patriots wind up losing one of their next three. And it does seem likely between the Bengals and the Bills. Um, but Matt, how are you feeling with, uh, you know, this Jacksonville game coming up and, and you know, our outlook on the playoffs? Yeah, you got to take it one win or one game at a time, rather, and hope you win each time. Obviously, the one you could sur probably survive losing would be Seattle because it's against an NFC team and the AFC teams in Jacksonville and Miami are uh, your tiebreakers. I really have a feeling that week 18 is going to be a win and in situation for the Jets against the Miami Dolphins. That scares the life out of me, um, but it it's... I don't know. That's what we all wanted. No, wasn't it saying, oh, we want meaningful December games uh, and on my podcast tomorrow. <laughs> I just recorded before doing this. I was like, we wanted meaningful December football, but this mm -hmm. sucks, man. Losing three in a row. This is no fun. I don't like this. Dude, I cannot believe that this could be a pl I, I, I think you're right. I think it is going to be a win and in situation. And I, it brings me back to 2015. And I'm thinking, OK, you know, we, we, we wind up winning some games into the end and we're like, okay, this is how it's going to go. And then, oh my God, Quinton Williams is going to break a leg. We're going to have to give him a monster contract like Muhammad Wilkerson. We're going to lose that final game to a division rival. <laughs> and like yeah. everything's going through my mind, the pessimistic Jet fan. And I'm just like, oh, I can't have this happen to me again. I really, I, I want to, I hope, I just want to win. I, I don't want Tua to go off on us. I don't want to sit through all off season, uh, you know, just wondering what could have been and the collapse that we had from where we were. Not to mention, like, I don't know. I just, I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> I want to win. I want to get in. I want this streak over. It would be it would be frustrating after how they started. I mean, you kind of get why the, 
the fall has begun, whether it's the uh, the poor quarterback play. But the, to me, losing Brees Hall and AVT really derailed this team. Th- those were their two best offensive players, and trying to overcome that's been pretty tough. Even you know the last few weeks, the offensive line struggled, whether it's with Zach or Mike White. I mean, uh, Mike White got hurt because the O line, and then some of not all, but some of Zach Zach's issues came from uh, the offensive line as well. Yeah, you know what I find interesting too, and I think I brought this up to Greenbean last week. I know I talked about it recently, but uh, what does it say about Zach Wilson that they don't have you throw the ball a whole lot and the guy you're handing off to is considered offensive rookie of the year, and the minute your ass gets benched and they decide to start throwing the rock a little bit more, the other rookie they took in the first round looks like he could be offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he don't get me wrong. Like, he had, what, he had 98 yards this past week, so I really shouldn't say that you know, too, too bad. But I, I, I just want, I want Garrett Wilson to get offensive rookie of the year. I want sauce to get defensive rookie of the year. If that doesn't happen and we miss the playoffs, I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of upset. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the, uh. how about, okay, here's a good one for you. Would you rather miss the playoffs, but have them win offensive and rook- and defensive rookie of the year or make the playoffs and neither win? Um, I'd rather the playoffs personally. Um, yeah. I think that's more important for this fan base. Uh, as much as I like the accolades of saying, "Oh, we have the like you know the two best guys in the draft on the offensive and defensive side of the balls," um, but I can look at the the caliber of player they are, and regardless whether they win that award or not, I can say Sauce Gardner might be the best cornerback in the league, and I can say Garrett Wilson is well on his way to being a top you know ten wide receiver in this league in the coming years. So it's you know I I'm taking the playoff spot. I think you're you're probably in that same yeah. boat. No, of course, but I, I, I'm i with you. I want to see them both win the rookie of the year. I think they're deserving. Uh, what did we get in here? Daniel Faust says, uh, loss one, Zach. Hmm, loss. Oh, he's saying who is, uh, who the loss is on. So number one is Zach. Number two is the defense. Three, LaFleur. Four, offensive line. Five, Salah. I disagree. Um. I don't think I'd rank it in that order. I think I'd probably... Hmm. I think the defense... I think the defense is probably number one for me. I think because of how... it was. It's them or the offensive line. Um, I'm going to put the defense first. I'm going to put the O-line second. I'm going to put Zach and Sal tied for third because I think they're... Um, they they were a big part of this loss for different reasons, but I thought equally as impactful. And like LaFleur, we had guys running open, so I don't really want to, you know, put this on LaFleur. Where do you fall on this, Matt? Yeah, I'm having a really hard time um, with this one. Uh, I don't like the defense that high. I will say I think I would lower that because really they give up 13 points on the day. And if 13 points isn't enough, that's... That's tough. I, special teams has to be on here. I'd re- honestly, I might put special teams above any of these five on the list. Hmm. Um, so that might be my my number one. And I'd put the offense. So I guess Zach and Lafleur, I would put in front of uh, the defense also. Yeah, I think I, I probably put a little too much blame, or maybe I attribute more blame of that special teams touchdown to the defense and. And kind of forcing it to a point where where Braden Man had like no space to even punt that ball, but you can't have two punt return touchdowns in the same year when I think there's three on the season for the NFL. Like this is just not a good look uh, no, for the New York Jets. 
and I saw because I clipped the the video of it, and they're like, "Oh, it was bad coverage on it too." Well, line drive punt to the middle of the field. There's no time for the gunners to get mm -hmm. down there, so I don't know how you possibly expect. Like, I get he was punting from his own end zone, but um, all of his punts are to the middle of the field. There's not one mm -hmm. where it's bouncing and going out of bounds. It's going right into the end zone because it's in the middle of the field. Yeah, Braden Man is someone we have to upgrade from this offseason. I, I was hoping, you know, with a strong leg that we'd see something a little bit better, but he's been, you know, you could argue, you know, lost us two games on his leg because of the special teams touchdown today and the special teams touchdown against the Patriots. You know, he kicks one out of bounds or kicks him at least in a position where your your gunners can get down there. Maybe there's a different outcome. Um, I don't know. I tend not to have him too, too high up on the list just because I don't, like even the the fifty eight yard kick, like I don't blame Zerline for that either. No, like, no, I don't. That's a hell of a boot. Yep. Um, Daniel Faust comes in again, says we can win. Go Jets. We can. Will we capture it? The Braden Bowl, so. Braden Man Bowl this weekend. <laughs> uh, Chris KV says, "What's the best outcome for us in New England versus Miami?" Um, it depends what happens this week. If Miami and the Patriots both lose, then it doesn't matter, right? Like, I mean, I would I would prefer the Patriots to lose because we can take care of business against the Pats. But um, I would say the Patriots beating Miami might be our best chance of uh, Miami getting a loss other than us. Like, we're looking at Green Bay... And us. So, like, I mean, we, we basically need to win. To We need to yeah. beat Miami to get into the playoffs. To have any realistic shot. I mean, an 11% shot if you lose against Miami is just not <laughs> not in the cards. You really need... Now, these percentages will change based on how teams do. Like, if, you know, Miami and, and the Patriots both lose or Baltimore goes on some crazy skid, they lose three games straight, you know, then there's, you know, some mathematical possibilities that open up. But um, for right now, you kind of have to to win out. So for me, I'm hoping Miami beats New England because if we beat Miami, we are uh, going to have that tiebreaker. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's going to be dependent on what happens next week. I think um, obviously going to root like hell for Green Bay to beat the Dolphins. Um, you could, I think, there's a way where if new England loses two of three, right? So let's say they lose to mm -hmm. the Bengals and the bills, but they beat the dolphins and the mm -hmm. dolphins also lose this week to the Packers. Then that yeah. could put the jets in pretty good shape, but that's, that's a lot of dominoes fall on the jets way. Yeah, that would be the jets. Let's see if, if there were two losses to the dolphins, and the Patriots were to lose two of their last three, you're probably looking at a situation that's probably the 11% situation. That's probably one of those. Um, because, I mean, then you're going to have, you got to win both of them. Or we're saying Miami loses against us, or no? Like, we go into uh, the final week of the season and we don't need it, or we need it. I don't know if you would need it if Miami loses the next two weeks, because what's the, they're eight and six right now, so that put the... No, then you. Yeah, probably you're right. Would. So this is probably the 11 percent situation. Yeah. If if the Patriots drop two, the Dolphins drop two, then we don't have to win the final one if we win these next two. Ugh, yeah. just win out. Just win. Yeah, out. I mean it's so much easier if you just win out. Exactly. How about them Jets? Says inexperienced all around is costing us these games. Yeah, I think that's 
probably the only saving grace. Like, I don't feel like we're getting, you know, manhandled in any of these games. It feels like they're all pretty close. I would say the ones that felt the least out of grasp were maybe the the Bengals game and maybe the last Buffalo say, game. I'd say the Ravens game more so week one all the way back. I don't know. I mean, that was that was we were oh, man. It, I, maybe because the score was a little bit. I don't even remember what the score was in that game, but I remember it being like, man, I thought we played well enough to win. But I think it was Joyner that gave up like a massive touchdown, like to, um, oh, who the hell's their receiver? I had him on my freaking fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, Bateman. 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 Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just it, 20, it sucks because it. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it just sucks because th- th- this team is losing games because of inexperience, not because we're just getting thumped. Like I, I mean, that's good, but it's just frustrating because it, it could. This should be a playoff roster this year. Jets would get six to make it 24 nine. Um, but they were in that game for a while against Baltimore. The defense I thought played really well. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a lot of one score losses, which I'd rather that than, you know, in years gone by when they were getting blown out, that was no fun. Yeah, no, not, not, not a blast there. Uh, Andrat karma says if Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the jets, are we in the playoffs? Probably. Um, I think he's played well enough to get the Giants there. And I would think with his play style, you know, I don't know if Daniel Jones operates in our offense the same way. Like you might have to have like uh, Dable come with him <laughs> and, and run yeah. that same similar offense. Because Daniel Jones, the Patriots have had issues with running quarterbacks. And to to not use Zach in that way, in either game was just really, really weird. So I would think Daniel Jones would have the Jets in the playoffs because I think we win at least one or two of these games that we otherwise dropped. What about you, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I for you know for me, I think they probably would win another. They'd probably have eight or nine wins right now. Probably nine. Mm-hmm. I would say nine and five if they had someone, even if it's not Daniel Jones, but like someone of that caliber of a quarterback. Yeah. Um, middle of the road to slightly below middle of the road but would still be enough for them to um get in it just sucks that for a majority of the season it's been significantly below average yeah uh sb3 standards says lafleur did not use zach's legs greater than 100 yards was there yeah i wonder how much of this is on lafleur and how much of this is on zach is zach nervous about running because of his leg and he doesn't want to have some similar type of injury is it LaFleur not wanting Zach to take shots because he's already taken hits behind the line of scrimmage. Does Zach have the freedom to do this anyway and he's just opting not to? Um, I don't know, but it, it definitely feels like there's some yards to gain for the quarterback. And you would think, based on how San Francisco went out and, and drafted Trey Lance, they'd want to utilize that mobility you know, a little bit more frequently. And I feel like th- we, we get to this impasse almost of – okay, this is the most productive offense overall that I've seen in a long time, but we have the number two overall pick. Like, could you bring in someone that could build an offense around Zach and we could save the second round, second overall pick? Or do you replace the quarterback and you plug in the, you know, you have the offensive system already? It's a chicken or the egg sort of situation. Yeah, it's really tough. I I don't think lafleur has been perfect, but as I mean, you mentioned it earlier, there were times where these guys are are open and the quarterback's just not hitting them. So uh, I think, you know, LaFleur isn't blame free. I don't think he is 
an amazing offensive coordinator. I think he's overall, he's been fine. Um, the quarterback play though has not. And I think that's where the issue really lies. Uh, let's see. Tom, Tom drops in says Dable would have developed Zach. Unlike LaFleur. Um, I don't know. I mean, did Dable develop Daniel Jones in his fourth year or did Daniel Jones have any help the first three years? Like it, it took Daniel Jones until his fourth year to show some life. Zach Wilson's only in his like 23rd game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, I think that's a, that's a great point with it. It took Dable a little bit of time, so I don't necessarily know if it's going to click right away. That's the thing. Like it's only been what, 22 starts for, for Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not looking good. He's going to need uh, some really, you know, to rework some things over the summer. But um, I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair to say if that Dable would have done a better job, unlike mm -hmm. LaFleur. Like, again, I think LaFleur has been a pretty good play designer. There are some things that you could be critical of him uh, of, but I don't think he's been terrible. Yeah, I think for me, I just think Daniel Jones over his career in general has just shown to be a better quarterback than Zach Wilson anyway. I mean, the mobility he has, like Daniel Jones's biggest issue has been the fumbles and the turnovers. Zach has been, you know, not generating much offense and not operating within the system, um, you know, in combination with the the turnovers, like the questionable decision making. Um yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think it's a tough conversation to have, and I don't know if you can really you know say one way or the other. Donald comes in, says, Mike White is out for the rest of the season. Jets win 10 games. Would you prefer Zach turns it around and plays amazing, but we miss out on the playoffs? Or two, the Zach plays subpar and we make the playoffs. Um, if Mike White is out for the season, if that's the case, I would prefer... Zach to play poorly, subpar, and we make the playoffs because there's not really anything I can see from Zach in these final three games that would make me feel so comfortable with him going into the offseason that it would prevent me from addressing the quarterback situation in some capacity. So I would rather get to the playoffs than Zach play like all right against, you know, or, you know, this is play amazing. I would rather that instead of Zach playing amazing against terrible teams. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just want to get to the playoffs and end that streak uh, and then worry about the quarterback in the in the offseason there. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be great if he played amazing and that'd be a little bit of a consolation prize to not making the playoffs. But um, again, it, he would still be a question mark going into next year, even if he did play amazing these next three games. Pump up the champ says it's obvious Zach Wilson is not ready to start. Uh, two prime X, the interception and the interception grinding where he had Garrett Wilson wide open. It shows he has no pre-snap and blitz recognition. Yeah, it definitely feels like he's not processing the what he's seeing fast enough. Robert Sala was talking today a little bit like if Zach can get comfortable and just feel like he's totally uh, you know, knows the playbook front and back. The athletic gifts are there. And if he can figure out the easy stuff, then he could be a real hell of a quarterback. I really think he has all the talent in the world. I just think that, you know, he wasn't ready to start. I think it probably went to his head a little bit. And, you know, for whatever reason, he's just not, not accurate. I don't know if the footwork was great at BYU because he had such a veteran offensive line that wouldn't get him touched. 
but you can't have perfect situations all the time in the NFL to allow one player to have the ability to succeed. Sometimes you need your quarterback to lift you up. And I don't think I've seen Zach lift us up uh, for a win, aside from maybe the fourth quarter of the Steeler game. Yeah, that's the only example that I could think of. Um, maybe the the Tampa Bay game last year. at time, They didn't win the game, but I thought he played really well. Um, yeah, the Jacksonville one, game but, last year, he played all right. Yeah, he was okay in the Jacksonville game. Um, yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, that's one of the things that he has to, to work on is the processing speed getting quicker, and uh, the footwork is really a big part of that. Um, now, unfortunately, you know, some of these things – happen with more experience so he's gonna have to play to, to get there but um is this is not something that's gonna get fixed in you know three days from when you know they played on sunday until when they're gonna have to play on thursday here so uh you're kind of just hoping to get through and then you know rework some things in the offseason yeah so what do you think what would zach's is there any stat line zach could have in this final like in this game for the jaguars that you would play him over a healthy Mike White or a banged up Mike White that was cleared to start. Um, I don't know because even if he had a stellar performance, I'd still be like questioning like what the le- the legitimacy of it. Even if he completed mm-hmm. like seventy percent of his passes, let's say three hundred yards, a couple touchdowns, I'd be almost waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know. Yeah, I think you almost at that point you probably start Zach with having Mike as the backup. Like, hey, we don't think Mike's ready to go. We don't want to force him out there. We're going to ride the hot hand in Zach. But as soon as Zach falters in that Seahawks game, then maybe you pull him for White. I don't know. I mean, these last three defenses that you face, you have to be able to put up points. And if Zach can't put up points, I think we're going to find out real quick. You know, if the Jets are in on him or not in these final three games, which which does kind of suck because you used to be able to give a quarterback a little bit more time. And for me, his trade value is so low. It's not like I want to get rid of the kid. I'd just rather have him sit on the bench and not be our quarterback and, and just learn. And then maybe at some point he becomes a tradable commodity. But that that's just not at this point right now. No, it's definitely not. Um, that's why I think, you know, honestly, I think there's really a, a real world here where we're in uh, a Mike White and Zach Wilson battle for the starting job next summer because, like you said, his value is that low. I think your only option is really to hold on and hope that it works out. And if he doesn't improve, then you have someone like Mike White who can maybe be the Jets version of what Jimmy G is for San Francisco. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I I, I do see Mike White and... Zach Wilson back for a quarterback competition. I don't know if there's another person in mind that really like jumps out at me. Like Jordan loves an interesting situation because of the LaFleur brother connection and the timing of the contracts and everything that's going on with, with Rogers. Cause I do think that's prohibitive. If Rogers had a better contract, I'd say there's a really good shot. We're going to get Aaron Rodgers and have him have Zach sit behind him for a year, let Rodgers try to win a Super Bowl with the win now team and still try to reclaim that second overall pick in Zach. Like there, there is a side to me that wants to explore that option. But then I watch Aaron Rodgers and I think like, man, he really doesn't look that great either. Like how much of this is just on him? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Aaron Rodgers. Obviously the team around him took a significant step back, but something looks off there for sure. 
Uh, Jets Maniac Matt says, what an up and down year. Great for a team like us with so many first and second year guys. Winning the next three are just the icing on the cake. Nine home games next year. Thursday, join us Warriors in the monsoon. Uh, yeah, I was going to go to the Thursday game. I was, uh, you know, scouting it out. I was like, you know what? If the Jets beat the Lions, then I'll pull the trigger and I'll go to the Jags game. And uh, we clearly did not beat the Lions. And then I saw the weather and I was like, there's no way I'm sitting here to watch a 10 to 7 matchup with no scoring and <laughs> the Jets lose yeah. on like a last second field. Like, oh man, I'd be so bitter. <laughs> I couldn't do that. No, I, I don't. The, no. On a Thursday night too, like that's just in the rain. Yeah, I'm all set there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, it's it's the at-home experience is so good. I'll roll the dice. I'm missing a win uh, from the comfort of my couch. SB3 comes in and says, Aaron Rodgers, Steve Young, and Tom Brady held clipboards. Let him develop. He is a keeper. I saw a really great thread over on Jet Nation that had the last 20 years of first-round quarterbacks, or maybe it might have been first- and second-round quarterbacks, um, and it, it said how long quarterbacks sat or did not sit or like started within their first four games or sat eight or more games whatever whatever the metric was and there's virtually like not much of a difference it's surprising because i always feel like oh you sit and learn you know maybe you develop into a good quarterback but we've seen guys sit and learn and not develop into good quarterbacks as well and i'm sure there's some percentage of guys that it would have helped and other guys that it, it wouldn't have helped either way um yeah, I don't know. I, Zach, because of how raw he was coming out, I think there there's a ton of validity to it. I think if I'm going back hindsight to that draft, I'm probably looking at the 49ers, and I'm saying, hey, you want to come up and get Trey Lance or Zach Wilson? Like, We'll slide back. We'll take Jimmy Garoppolo to, to, to teach our guys this new offense. You know, you have LaFleur and Salah here. Like, That's probably the move if you're playing you know, Monday morning quarterback in terms of that draft. Yeah, I mean it's that's all you know fun to do now, but in in the moment, it's not, I you really can't blame them for the decision. I think there was you know a reasonable case to be made for either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson mm -hmm. there at two, um, and most people I feel like you know really in you know the media pundits really liked the Zach Wilson pick. There are a lot of people that were really mm -hmm. high on him, um, and I mean we, this past week was a perfect example of why we saw some really big mm -hmm. moments from him, but he just can't do it consistently. Yeah, I, I definitely I don't fault him for it because even when I look at Justin Fields, I can say he's probably the second best quarterback or or maybe tied with Mac Jones, depending on how highly you rank Mac Jones's you know season last year. Um I haven't seen enough from Fields aside from like the running. I, I love what he's doing and the, the Bears are building around him to give him success now. And I don't think the Jets are doing that with Zach. Like I don't think we're building an offense built for Zach for his uh, talents right now, which I think is where you could probably show some flaws in LaFleur's plan, but you see how well LaFleur's plan's working in terms of guys getting open, even though the quarterback can't execute it. I do like, you know, what I'm seeing. And Mike White just tends to be like the perfect specimen for this offense. It's quick decision-making, fast snap to throw. Um, you know, the guy's gritty. He's a tall quarterback. Like there, there's just a lot of things to like about Mike White. I don't know. I think he can be a franchise guy. I really do. I mean, that'd make life a lot easier if they, if Mike White just so happened to be the, the franchise guy and you're able to bring him back, um, then, you know, having to continue this search, it's, it's tough, especially if you don't get to see him again the rest of the, the year, that would be, 
you know, a, a little disappointing or a, a blow to him because, you know, then people are going to start to argue the the injury factor with him. Yeah, and it's fair, too. I mean, I, I think the only saving grace for him is that Jimmy G is so injury prone that if I look at Jimmy G or Mike White, I would prefer Mike White because of the chemistry he has with our players, the cost or perceived cost that he would be and the upside that he has. Um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, do I want to roll into next season with White versus Wilson with a Super Bowl caliber roster? Like that to me is is the the piece of the puzzle that kind of irritates me a bit. And uh, I don't know the answer. I mean, if anything were to happen, I don't think a trade happens until close to uh, training camp when you uh, can split up some of these salary cap hits. Aaron Rodgers is the interesting one, I think. I don't think Carr is going anywhere. Brady being a free agent, he just he looks so washed. I don't and I also don't want to like sell my soul for that. Like if Brady winds up winning a Super Bowl here for the Jets, it would be more about Brady lifting the terrible Jets up and winning a Super Bowl. And that's not how I want to win a ring. Yeah, no, exactly. That he would be the story more than the this team would be the um the story. I I agree with you there. Uh plus like I don't I don't know. With everything going on in his personal life, there's just a lot that goes into that. Same with Rodgers, mm -hmm. like the the on the field and off the field stuff with both those guys, it's just it would bring a lot of that to the to the table here. That's what makes it so complicated. I don't know what the right answer is. I almost feel like the the white Wilson uh competition could be your best option because the both guys are obviously familiar with the team. The team really likes mm -hmm. Mike White and what we saw was really promising this year. And with Wilson's raw talent, like if something ever clicked, then that could also elevate this team. But I don't know if, if Mike White could be what Jimmy G was for San Francisco, then I still think this is a really, really damn good team next year. Yeah, for sure. I think if that if it winds up being a Mike White first Zach Wilson quarterback competition, which I do agree, I think that's where this is all trending. I would I would like to see them draft a quarterback probably in the like the third round, someone that could develop. So you're not putting all your eggs in like those two guys baskets. I, I do think that Mike White probably signs a one year deal where you're going to have to decide after next season, like, hey, are you rolling with Zach Wilson or are you rolling with Mike White? Um, but I, I think the kid's got a ton of talent and I, I want to see more from him because like Matt said, if we don't see any more from Mike White this season, I don't know. I don't know how you justify paying him like any sort of substantial amount uh, to try and lead this team next year. Andrew Yale comes in, says we need O line help, no run game, no pass protection for the quarterback. Uh, I really wonder about the run game and, and why this is happening right now, because is it so much on the offensive line or is it, a product of defenses not believing Zach can beat them with their arm and they are now playing, you know, more guys in the box and committing against the run because they know the coaching staff isn't really putting it all on Zach. What do you think, Matt? This past week, I think that was a big part of it. Um, I think they were, you know, daring Zach to beat him over the top. I do think injuries are a huge reason for the offensive mm -hmm. line struggles. Like losing AVT was just huge for this team they're on their millionth tackle lake and tomlinson has been pretty bad this year with someone who was you know a pro bowler for uh the 49ers not that long ago you thought it'd be a seamless fit but it really hasn't been uh, so i think there's a lot of factors that really go into it um they've definitely you know they, they've taken their lumps with the amount of injuries i think that's part of the equation here too 
Yeah, you got to think first round has got to be a favorite for like tackle or guard. I saw McShay's mock draft. He had us taking a guard from Florida. That seemed a little, I don't know. I, I'm not going to hate any offensive line pick, I'll be honest. And like moving on from Tomlinson and having a guy that might be like AVT caliber who did play next to Max Mitchell just prior to that and, you know, increased his playing time. Maybe he gets better because he only had one year uh, in the SEC with uh, Osiris uh, Torrance, I think was the the last name. Um him, I think the tackle from Georgia is interesting. I think that's probably where I'd I'd start my search. Uh, but offensive line help, we we desperately desperately need here. Uh, Johnny P. Johnny P. comes in and says, "Did you see Daniel Jeremiah's comments on Eisen? Likely, he is just echoing Joe Douglas, and he said Zach is bad fit, but Lafleur won't adapt. They may fire Mike Lafleur if no uh, progress." Is that what that's supposed to be, Keo? Um, yeah, we were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier where it doesn't feel like we're building an offense for our quarterback. And financially, it's cheaper to move on from your offensive coordinator than it is to move on from your quarterback. But it just feels like with everyone except Zach, this offense is working. And it seems like, you know, LaFleur by and large across the league is, is seen in a positive light. So I don't know how much I want to bail on that after seeing such, you know, rough quarterback play um, or rough offensive coordinator plays for the last 10, 15 years. Um, I did see the comments. I do think Jeremiah is is probably on that same wavelength, but I, I'm just curious to see if they'd rather bail on Zach or bail on Mike. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I don't necessarily think I agree with Daniel Jeremiah. I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that he that Zach did at BYU made sense for a West Coast offense. And I think they were banking on Zach being able to do the small things um, that he's making extremely difficult. And then um, his off the script stuff would kind of take um, him to the next level, I guess, or the offense potentially to the next level. But um, I, I don't agree that. Uh, he's necessarily a, a bad fit for for this offense. Um, I think Lafleur uh, is okay. I don't think he's a, a like. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think he's done a bad job. But I also don't think he's been amazing. I think it's fair to criticize him. But I honestly don't know if they make any any changes uh, uh, to either coordinator position. Obviously, Ulbricht's done a really good job this year. But um, I know. LaFleur is kind of public enemy number one with a lot of people, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, SB3 says consistency is the word, Matt. Um, yeah, if we can play consistently across the offensive line, the defense, really anywhere, and that's kind of what you if, – if we're losing because of inconsistency but the talent is clearly there, that's the telltale sign for a young team. Like, young teams need experience to have that consistency. We saw it with the Bills. The Bills were a young team the first two years of Josh Allen's career. They were making a few mistakes. They had some really high highs. They had some really low lows. And you saw year three of them playing together, all of it started clicking together. So that's what's exciting about the Jets going into next year is you expect the full team to have that level of uh, growth. And then you just hope you get, you know, the positive side of the quarterback situation. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. The inconsistency is really the 
the tough thing right now. And we, we said that's why they're losing these games. They're not getting blown out. The talent level is there. They just, they're a young team. They need to figure out how to win. Uh, I think they could potentially get to that point, but it's, you know, it's all about, it's part of the learning curve, unfortunately. Uh, SB3 also says Mike White equals mediocrity. I want more. Bring a quarterback in. Yeah, look, I understand why Mike White could be mediocrity. I, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks early in their career before they get enough on-field game time experience that probably fall into similar similar categories. I think the the lack of mobility from Mike White in terms of his running ability is where people might be left, you know, desiring a little bit more. I would argue that his maneuverability within the pocket is shifty enough that it allows him to avoid sacks. It just doesn't create that extra dynamic, uh, you know, option in terms of running. Uh, so do I want to bring in a more dynamic quarterback? I think that's where you draft one. I, th I think you go for a third round kind of guy that has just some crazy high upside, super raw, you know, just let him learn, figure out the whole Mike White, Zach Wilson experience. You know, if at, at best case, you know, Zach Wilson is the guy and you let Mike White walk after next season or you determine Mike White's the guy and you sign him and then you wind up trading Zach, you still need that backup quarterback either way. Um, so I would invest one of our draft picks into a backup. What are your thoughts, Matt, on like Gardner Minshew? He's someone that who's going to get a start this week against Dallas that I think Jet fans should keep an eye on. He's someone that, you know, was traded from Jacksonville after Jacksonville selected Trevor Lawrence, number one overall, played with a horrible team. He gets traded to Philly, has, uh, you know, the quarterback competition with Hertz in August, but Hertz, you know, obviously wins that and is now playing at an MVP caliber level. You look at the two times that Minshew has been put into the game and he actually has like a pretty decent, uh, you know, box score from, from those games with Joe Douglas coming from Philadelphia. I do think there is some, uh, inside knowledge one way or the other. Um, but I just don't know. I can't figure out a way to get Minshew here without like really making things weird. I just think he has a swagger that I really like. I think there's some upside. I mean, I was looking at his wiki the other day and it was like, I think he's got like 45 touchdowns to 12 interceptions in his career and like 6,000 yards passing. Yeah, he, um, I, I pulled up his pro uh, football reference page while you were talking about him. He has, yeah, 41 touchdowns, 12 picks, 6,000 yards um, in 12 starts in 2019. He had 21 touchdowns to six picks and was throwing 233.6 yards per game. Um, I, I would be intrigued by Gardner Minshew. He does have an energy and a swagger about him that is uh, a lot of fun. And if I think that clicked here in New York, man, that could be really something special. Josh comes in, says Steve Young talks a lot about defenses not winning Super Bowls anymore. Says you need an Allen, a Herbert, a Mahomes. Thoughts? Thanks again for all you do. Thank you, Josh. Uh, yeah, I think that's why you draft someone like Zach Wilson and you don't go with someone safe like Mac Jones. Like Mac Jones to me was the vanilla ice cream of the 2021 draft. It's like, wow, good old reliable. Like you're never going to get some fantastic flavor out of vanilla ice cream, but you know what you're going to get. And that's kind of that that's Mac Jones for me. Justin Fields, there's a, you know, a large gamble. Um for sure, based on how maybe some other Ohio State quarterbacks played. Uh, and I think that was unfairly translated onto him. I think 
you look at Trey Lance, there's a lot to to love with the the arm strength, the speed, uh, but he didn't have the the sample size. He obviously only had one game during the COVID season, and you know that just he didn't look great in that season. He really only had one year of starting experience. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence was going to be what he was going to be. And then you have Zach with all the upside again, you know, there's, there's just weird things that you may or may not have liked in certain spots, but I think Zach has the athletic upside of an Allen, a Herbert, a Mahomes. He just hasn't showed the low end, uh, ability to make the easy throws. Yep. No, the 100%. They, you could tell why he went early because of the physical traits and the wow throws. Um, but you know, you have to be able to do the little things right. And the, the things that, you know, Mike White does that makes things look super, super easy. And I agree with this comment here. I do think you need an elite level quarterback. I mean, look at what happened with the Rams last year. That was a really, really good team that couldn't get over the hump with Jared Goff. And then they bring in Matt Stafford, who is a significant upgrade. And they go out and win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, the, the all the teams that were there, Joe Burrow, uh, what he was able to do with Cincinnati and elevate that roster to the point to go on that run uh, was a ton of fun. But um, I do think that you need to have a good quarterback in today's NFL uh, to win a Super Bowl. Um, yes, you can get to the playoffs and uh, be a, you know, a good team with a really good defense. And defense is a part of it. I'm not saying like, oh, you could be um, like – the Miami Dolphins of this year and have an elite level offense and a terrible defense and you'll be this amazing team. I don't think that's fair, but uh, I do think you need a, a really damn good quarterback in order to win consistently in this league. Yeah. So it kind of runs you into that situation of, do you believe Mike White can be that or do the Jets have to, you know, go a different direction? Do you put all your eggs in like some other basket? I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting it's, to see. I'm glad I'm not Joe Douglas. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Dylan says Huff needs to be re-signed. Yes, there's no way he's going anywhere. Jets will hit him with the first round tender. I'd be very surprised if they did anything less. They should re-sign him for more than that anyway, because I'd be pretty irritated if we lost Huff and got like the 30th pick in the draft or something like that. I, I think that would be a loss for us. Yeah, uh, no, I'm I'm with you there. I think Huff needs to be back for for sure. He's been fantastic. Um, this year, you got to figure out a way to bring him in. Uh, Pump up the champ says, <laughs> looking to the offseason, I'm worried about our offensive line and special teams. Do we go after punt God since he's innocent now? And what offensive lineman free agents are out there? Uh, I do not want to go after the punt God. I'm sorry. Like I, you know, punting isn't as important to me <laughs> as like the headaches that come with the player. Yeah. Um, I think you could probably find you know, halfway decent punting somewhere across the line. Uh, as far as the offensive line, I do agree. I think we do need to bring in some help there. I think you have to, I would look first and foremost at Jack Conklin. He has void years coming up on his contract, which means he is going to be a free agent. He will not be able to be franchise tagged by the Cleveland Browns. And Joe Douglas clearly needs tackle help in any capacity, whether it be left side or right side. And I would plug in Conklin on the right side with Max Mitchell behind him. And I would look at the left-hand side and I'd say, okay, at the very least we have Dwayne Brown, and Mackay Becton under contract for next year, you determine, hey, is anyone, you know, is Brown even going to come back next year? If he's not going to come back, then I think you go with Becton plus a first round pick tackle. Um, that's probably where I'm looking. Honestly, I would like to retain Connor McGovern and then I would run it back with AVT and Tomlinson. Your thoughts, Matt? 
Yeah, I, I agree with your logic behind it. I think Conklin is someone who he was almost a jet a couple of years ago when he uh, signed with the Browns. Um, and it seemed like a good fit as a potential trade partner. Um, it didn't end up happening, but that's definitely someone who I think you could keep your eye on. I like the idea of Max Mitchell being back as depth because we know injuries happen. If Brown's good to come back, him and Makai on your left side, and if Makai's healthy, who knows? Maybe Makai beats him out in camp, and then when the inevitable injury comes, you know, Dwayne Brown's waiting in the wings. Um, and I think you have to bring back Connor McGovern. Uh, I think he's been really solid for this team, and then that just makes life a little bit easier. You can't have, you know, these turnovers of you know, three new starters on the offensive line every year and start to try to, you know, get some consistency going. Yeah, you said it, consistency. That's going to be key for us. Uh, SP3 says, agree with uh, JP LaFleur forcing Zach, I think he's saying uh, Jan Daniel Jeremiah, uh, LaFleur forcing Zach to play in a cage. I think they're forcing him to play in a cage almost, it feels almost like the Mark Sanchez years where they had like the color coded cards to to get like which plays out on the field like it feels like they have kid gloves on trying to to make zach wilson not lose us the game like that's how i viewed the last patriot game was they didn't trust zach wilson at all they clipped his wings they said you will not lose us this game and in the end that caused them to lose the game uh so yeah i don't know i i, I do think there needs to be a little bit of an unhinged thing like especially like if the jets lose this week and we're just like totally out of it. Just rip the Band-Aid off and just say, okay, let's go have fun. <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's throw shit at the wall for the final two games and just see what works with this kid. Yeah, I think they. I think we saw glimpses of that in this game uh, against the Lions. But um, at times, look, uh, my biggest critique with uh, LaFleur, I think he can get a little bit, one, a little too cute too, sometimes in the red zone. But then I think he gets conservative with Zach after a mistake. Now, it's also tough on the floor because we've seen when Zach makes that one mistake, it kind of all unravels. Um, so it's kind of hard to judge, you know, your coordinator with the when your quarterback's unraveling. But, uh, you know, to their credit, they were able to get it back on track at, at the end of there in the fourth quarter. It was kind of just too little too late, though. Uh, Thomas Cahill drops in with a member super chat, says linebackers and safeties lost that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the tight end touchdown, that was that was brutal and how they uh, utilize the rest of that offense. I, for me, something that's been frustrating, and I I don't know what to make of it, I would like to see Sauce play more of the Revis role. I'd like to see him follow the best team's receiver and roll coverage the opposite direction. Like, putting Sauce and Reed on the outside, on their own sides, allows offenses to dictate where they're going to play their, their weapons. Like, if I'm... Minnesota, I'm not putting uh, Justin Jefferson on sauce. I'm having him slide into the slot with Michael Carter all damn day. Like, why would you ever test the outside corners on the Jets? No, it doesn't make any sense to. And, you know, we saw Michael Carter struggle this past week with Amon Ross St. Brown. But, yeah, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner are so good. I don't know why you'd want to test them. And, you know, rightfully so, the Lions did not test Sauce Gardner. Brian Kelly comes in, says, was at the game. Zach looked off. The offense never looked settled. Let's get Carr in the offseason and shop Zach, and the rest is gravy. I really like Derek Carr. I don't think they're going to move on from Carr. I think he's there for another season. I think McDaniels is there for another season. And then I think I think McDaniels is the issue there, but I think they're going to wait to pull the trigger on the whole reset button until one more year. Um, I think you don't trade all that for Devontae Adams just to try it one time with Derek Carr. 
So I would be shocked if Carr waived his no trade clause for for this this upcoming season. What about you, Matt? Yeah, you know, I just that was a question that someone asked me on uh, Just Jets today, and I feel like there's a lot of people who you know poo poo the idea of Derek Carr, but I don't get that at all. He's someone who consistently throws for four thousand yards. He's going to give you right around twenty five touchdown passes. 10 interceptions, something like that. I think you sign up mm-hmm. for that. And I think that would immediately elevate this team. Um, I agree with you, though. I don't know how likely it is to get a guy like him to come here. Yeah, I would say he is probably the best case scenario for the Jets because, like you said, he's so consistent with a team that has been in rough shape over in Oakland or Vegas. And then you look at all the other options. There's all some, there's there's warts on every kind of quarterback that's going to be available. And it's I think that's what makes the the perceived miss of, of Zach Wilson, just a little bit more frustrating. Uh, SB three says reason I say, bring a quarterback in is because we are all surprised with how great the talent is. We now have psyched. So if the strategy is win now, then bring in solid quarterback to do that while Zach develops. I agree with you. I just, and that's where I kind of like fall in this weird spot with Mike white is like, I would have signed up for Jimmy G before Jimmy G got hurt. And I really do think Mike White can be like store brand Jimmy G and, you know, potentially have more upside. He's like the the Kirkland brand, if you will. The Kirkland brand's not too bad. Um, I would like that. But I understand where you're saying. Like, if you go out after a quarterback, this is Super Bowl caliber roster. I don't want to waste this opportunity. Like, that. that's where I'm, I'm a little hung up here. Like, is there any part of you that's a little, like, bummed maybe about having to to either see or, you know, do you think a Mike White versus Zach Wilson quarterback competition is enough for Joe Douglas? That's a really good point because, you know, eventually you got to start translating wins here um, and it's starting to go that direction now. But, you know, you want to build off that, you know, for going on and going forward. And maybe that's what pressures them to trying to make a bigger move. I think you can make a strong case for, you know, the reason to go after a car or even bring in a veteran like a Rogers or Brady or whatever, because of just how good the rest of the team is, but you're taking a risk either way. So I guess it's whatever you're most comfortable with or whatever you think is going to work. So um, I'm a little bit apprehensive to do it, but I completely understand why or the logic behind making a move like that. Yeah, it's almost like if you go after a Brady or a Rodgers, you get that almost the best of both worlds. You get the the potential of a win now quarterback, you know, one of the best of all time. You're gambling on them having a career resurgence at a, a much later stage of their career. I don't want to say resurgence because obviously Brady has been good the last few years and Rodgers has been good up until this year. But it feels like, you know, that might be the best of both worlds because then they don't say they're giving up on Zach. You give him more time to learn behind one of these quarterbacks. I just I would I would be really peeved if we allowed Mike White to go elsewhere, didn't extend a contract, went after Brady or Rodgers, and then everything just went up in flames and Mike White goes on to have like even a Kirk Cousins level, you know, type of career. I'd be I'd be pretty pissed off, I think. Yeah, that's a tough part. If you decide to let him go, you better hope it doesn't work. Yeah. Seriously. Uh Albert comes in says with a super sticker. It says number one fan. It's a pair jumping up and down, which is funny. I don't, I don't know why it doesn't show it on the on the thing, but I see it over in the in the side over there. So thank you, Albert. Uh, let's see. I saw another one in here. 
Coach Anthony G. Anthony G says, Jet the F up, boys, in the Cayman, smoking a Cuban and having some scotch. Hoping Zach runs the table here. Let's F and go, Jets. Anthony, we wish we were with you, enjoying a nice Cuban cigar in the Cayman Islands with some scotch. Sounds wonderful. Sounds fantastic. I, I am very jealous right now. Dude, if Zach runs the table, they'll have so much energy behind him. I guess that's an interesting topic, right, Matt? Like, like what happens if Zach runs the table, gets us to the playoffs, and uh, I don't know. Like, let's say he looks bad in a playoff game. Like, th- then what do the Jets do? <laughs> like, is it does it change our thought process at all? Yeah. Or if well, he looks <laughs> good in the, I mean, if he looks good in the playoffs, then you probably just say, okay, we're running back with like some level of competition. Yeah. What? If, okay. Kind of. Kind of. I'm gonna spin your spin at me and spin it right back at you. What if okay. they win out um, and they pull an upset in the first round? Let's say they win a game and then lose mm-hmm. to, like, I don't know, Kansas City in the divisional round. But, yeah, you know, Zach gets them there and wins a playoff game. I feel like that would be kind of difficult to make a change after, no? I think it depends how you win it. Um, True. I think, it, I think if you win it with Zach... Uh, like uh, with Zach as quarterback, not necessarily because of Zach, but if you win it with Zach, I think it may lower to some extent the asking price of Mike uh, of Mike White. Like, I, is there a team out there, or what team out there do you think is the biggest competition for Mike White for the Jets? Because that's what I keep running into. Like, I keep hearing people say, like, "Oh, someone's going to pay Mike White." And I keep saying, like, but he only has six starts. Like, is someone really going to pay him if the Jets are looking at Zach Wilson? We're saying, like. We'd rather go with this guy over Mike White. Like that. Like I don't know if what that says about him. Then. Um. Yeah. If honestly, like, Tampa Bay, maybe if Brady leaves, Tampa's an interesting one. I'm trying to think. This is off the top of my head. Houston, like, or, possibly. I don't know how they don't take a quarterback first. Like I'm thinking of a spot where. But he can I think go you, you, you start. I feel, yeah, I guess, but I, it's going to have to happen before the draft. So I think a team could sign him hoping to have almost a prove-it type year. Like, I don't think he's going to get a long multi-year deal. I think if if there's any inkling that that might happen, we need to either transition tag or franchise tag him and shop him. There's there's no reason for the Jets to allow him to walk if he's going to get that kind of contract. Yeah, it's... It's tough. It's tra- it's really challenging. It's not easy, man. It, it, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions this offseason. Uh, Pooch Guy says, Ryan, you just had to do draft content. Hashtag jinx. Uh, yeah, so I made one video about the Todd McShay mock draft because it was his 1.0. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk about the draft. And then we go out there, we flub up a game against the Lions. But I like doing the mock drafts. I like learning about all that stuff because that's how I learn about the players. I, you know, I'm sitting here watching other guys who, you know, before I do any analysis on these college prospects, I'm looking at other mock drafts like, oh, they have the Jets looking at this guy. Well, let me see what this guy's about. And then I just present it in video form to you, uh, goons. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a completely reasonable way to do it. I've been so out of the prospect loop this year mm-hmm. for the first time in year, probably since like, I don't know. 2016 like the last five years have been so invested in college football and through the draft at this Mm -hmm. point you know i was last year we were talking about like i don't know was 
George Karloftis worth a top 10 pick or should, <laughs> should you go wide receiver offensive line at pick 10 Iki Aquanu mm -hmm. at like all that stuff was what we were talking about. Now I'd rather, you know, do the quarterback discourse and uh, talk about some potential playoff games. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been weird, right? Yeah. It's nice talking a little bit of playoffs instead of talking about the draft. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. We're trending in the right direction. I don't want to have to talk about the draft until this time of the year when things start getting locked in in terms of uh, slotting. Uh, SB3 says, we can run the table, gotta believe, Jets. Dude, from your lips to God's ears. I think we can run the table. We said it before, the Jets could have won any one of these last four games, all of them or none of them. Like, I do think any one of these teams, I think Jacksonville is getting hot at the right time. I think Miami is... is at least showing that it's it's very tough to uh, take them out, you know, with them going toe to toe with Buffalo, and then Seattle. I think Seattle's probably the most winnable game of these three, which sounds weird because I feel like we should be able to beat Jacksonville at home, but like I think we're just catching Jacksonville at a weird time. I'm hoping because they had such an emotional win last week in overtime, maybe on a short week traveling in the cold, there's a little bit uh, for them to uh, screw up here. That's the hope. Yeah, yeah, no, but that that's all reasonable. Defensively, they are really, really bad. So if you get more than 17 points, you should win the game. But um, they're hot right now. And, and Trevor Lawrence looks really, really good. So it's not going to be easy. Yeah, do you think there's any... Um, how much of an issue do you see with, you know, the amount of points the offense is scoring, whether it be Mike White under... Uh, center for us and not getting into the red zone he was like one of six i think in the vikings game uh you know the bills game obviously we didn't score a, a crazy ton of points as well and then this past week with zach you only have the 17 points so like is this more of a lafleur issue or do you see it more as uh like why does it appear to be a double standard like why is zach getting so much heat for having maybe similar or different struggles than mike white well, I think people are going to be harder on you when you're the number two pick in a draft. I think that's part of it. Um, I think people are frustrated with him and they see uh, what Mike White's done and are excited by that. And, you know, we know the backup quarterback's always the most uh, loved guy. Everyone wants to say, oh, go to the backup. And, you know, it's worked so far. I think he's played pretty well in those three games, but uh, I don't think White's been perfect either. I, I know that, you know, some people were ready to, you know, crown him as the, the starter and the future of this team. I don't know if I'm there, but I think the offense has definitely looked more in sync with him in those three games than with Zach this year. Yeah, I think that's kind of it's the, for me, it's the eyeball test, which it sounds weird to say because there's no stats to to back up the eyeball test for the most part. Like you can kind of look at like where each quarterback ranks and you see I think Zach Wilson, I don't know if he's above 25th ranked in anything and in like a majority of the categories, he's the last ranked quarterback where Mike White, I think he's as high as 15th in some categories. I mean, I think snap to throw, he's like top five in the league in terms of how fast he processes. So like for me, White is kind of the perfect um, specimen to run this offense where Zach is just... You know, you need to have the knowledge of the of the the playbook, the experience, and I feel like he would benefit from from sitting a little bit. 
Yeah, I think, you know, if in a perfect world, I think White's the best opportunity for this team right now to make the playoffs and uh, win games for this year. But, uh, you know, sitting down and working on that footwork in the offseason is probably the best thing for him. Do you see any situation where the Jets bring back Mike White and Zach becomes the starter? Like, do you, do you think he'll be able to take the belt from Mike White, or do you think Mike kind of comes in as the perceived starter for next year? I think White would probably have the slight advantage, but I don't think that puts Zach completely out of it. I think it's dependent on his improvement in the offseason um, because, mm. I, I mean, Zach does have the higher ceiling, but it's the, the floor is just so low, as we're seeing right now with White. Um, the interceptions have gone away, it feels like, and um, it seems like he could be a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Yeah, for me, there's almost a little bit of like, okay, does is there a... Um, is there a downside, a perceived downside to trying to attract free agents with Mike White versus Zach Wilson quarterback competition? Or does it not necessarily matter because we're focusing more internally on our guys? Like, do, do you think we'd have an issue if we, we run into, hey, who's your starting quarterback? Oh, it's going to be Mike White. Like, why would I sign here? Well, I don't think it's going to really matter because they're not really looking to add like big time skill position guys. It's not like you're looking mm -hmm. out and you're like, oh, I'm going to sign a, a tight end. You just signed two last year. Um, a wide receiver, if they're bringing in one, would be for depth. You have a wide receiver one in Garrett Wilson, Elijah their contract next year. So I think you're just mm -hmm. looking for depth there. And I don't know, for, <laughs> I guess if you want to say offensive lineman, but they could even potentially attack that through the draft too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Matt, can you still see me? I'm just, I'm having a little bit of glitching on my end. I can see you. I just, yeah, I could see you. Okay. But I look a little bit glitchy coming through <laughs> a little pixel later right now. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation for me when I'm looking at this wide receiver room too. Like, I don't think Corey Davis comes back next year. Denzel Mims. I don't think I want to rely on him to be the guy. I do think there's a there's going to be a need for some type of big red zone threat wide receiver, someone like a Plexco Burst that can just go up and get a ball. Um, kind of what we were hoping Mims would eventually be. Do you sort of see something similar? Like you see Garrett Wilson, you see Elijah Moore, and it just feels like we're missing maybe that Debo Samuel type of of chip here. Yeah, they look. They need something. They need something else um, to add. I think to this team um, and to the wide receiver core. Uh, they they have a couple of nice pieces, but uh, I'm with you. I I think Corey Davis. I think is probably a cap casualty in the offseason with the number of injuries he's had over the last couple of years. Um, and Denzel Mims has gotten better this year, but I don't think is in a spot where I'm comfortable giving him um, that full wide receiver three role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Thomas Cahill comes in and says, The draft. How about a quarterback who runs like Fields and has an arm like Allen, Anthony Richardson, in the second round? So in the Todd McShay mock first round, they had Anthony Richardson going. I believe it was 10th overall. Um, so he, don't, he wouldn't have made it to us at pick 17. This is the quarterback for me that I think is the most intriguing. And if we have to pull the trigger on him in the first I want 
the Jets to really know that's the guy. Like I, I, I don't think this is a quarterback you start in the first year. I don't know if you start him in the second year. Like I'd still probably bring back Mike White. I just don't know how you justify drafting him at pick 17 and passing on a tackle instead for me. That's the issue. He's not going to be there in the second round. And he's a project quarterback. It's kind of like Trey Lance. Not that they're exactly the same player, but Trey Lance was Mm -hmm. very much so looked at as a project. And I think Anthony Richardson's going to be a project too. So that's not someone who's going to, you know, be a first rounder, come in and play right away. Yeah, he feels like a like a quarterback that should be going to a team that has a QB in place. Someone like maybe uh, you know, a Minnesota who has Kirk Cousins in place and they don't have to worry about playing him in the next few years because they have Kirk playing at, at the level he's playing right now. Um yeah, I don't know. I I'd, I'd have to really look at the quarterback class and do some analysis because I don't know enough about this draft class to make any sort of educated decision at this point in time. Richardson's just the one that's come up a few times now, especially with me watching Osiris um, because of the, the McShay mock draft. There is a little bit of value in that in terms of like the guard from Florida because you have Richardson who runs around a lot and Osiris didn't have any penalties this year, which means he wasn't running down the field. I think that's not a penalty. Is that a penalty in college? Can you run down the field as an offensive lineman in college? Or is that a penalty in college as well? Like that's if the ball is not, yeah, I, would I think, think so. that's got to be a penalty. Yeah. Okay, I, n- I never like actually thought that out loud until just this second. <laughs> so um, I me neither. Was not sure. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just I would have a hard time going quarterback in the first round. I don't mind quarterback in the second round. I don't love it because for me, this draft should help set this team up for their Super Bowl next year. And I think taking the tackle and taking a safety or taking a tackle and taking a linebacker, like those positions will translate well. Maybe tackle, you may not have, you know, 100% success rate right off the bat, but you'll have enough contribution that, uh, you know, where a quarterback, I don't think you're getting any contribution to this team next year at all. And you're wasting a prime year of of Sauce and Brees and Carter and, and uh you know, Garrett Wilson and all these guys. Uh, I'm frustrated. I feel like if I were to say I'd I'd take a quarterback in the second, then I should just take a quarterback in the first. I don't I'm not a big advocate of second round quarterbacks. It's usually like the mid round guys that could at least be a backup with potential upside. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you there. I, I think that's the route that they go. I don't want to take a first round quarterback because I do think I would like to fill out you know, offensive line, linebacker, safety are all positions that I think the Jets should be looking to attack. But I have no issue if they want to take a swing with the third or fourth round pick on a quarterback. Let's see what the chat is talking about over here. Um, someone makes a point that the Jets forever come back. You don't know sports. You, <laughs> you guys seems like they're arguing in the, in the chat a little oh. bit. I'm oh, not good. paying attention. Yeah, that's what happens when we don't have Green Bean. Green Bean usually pays He's attention. He's the, the chat guy. I know. He's the chat guy usually mixing it up. I when it's just the two of us, it's kind of hard to go back and forth. Yeah, we so for those of you guys that don't know that watch us, I'm the, the color commentator. Matt usually has stats and information up on his screen over there, the quick quick notes, and then Green Bean is our chat guy. Uh, and we kind of balance everything across the uh, the three of us. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, we have a good system, I think, between I the think three so. of us. Yeah, we, we've got 450 people in here. Unfortunately, we only have 142 likes, which means we're only going to have five qualifiers for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the stream. So make, make sure you hit the like button. It's yeah. ridiculous. 
Come on, gang. Uh, where did I see this? I just saw this in here. Uh, Sir Drinks a lot. Uh, says Hendon Hooker thoughts. Um, that's the Tennessee quarterback, right? Yeah. I don't know a ton about him, if I'm being completely honest with you. I haven't watched him enough. Let's look up his profile. I know the big three. C- yeah, you know, yeah. CJ Stroud, Lewis, Bryce Young. Stroud. Lip. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll go to the Draft Network. I enjoy the Draft Network's visuals on quarterbacks. So Hendon Hooker, six foot four, 218 pounds. He has 3,135 yards, 32 touchdowns, two interceptions, has a QBR of 124.6. Let's see. His background, his father was a star quarterback at North Carolina A&T, where his younger brother is currently a quarterback. Began his college career at Virginia Tech before graduating, uh, grad transferring to Tennessee ahead of the 2021 season. Co-wrote a faith-based children's book titled The ABC of Scripture uh, for Athletes with his brother. Led his high school team to two state championships. Starred in basketball in high school where he scored more than 1,000 points and was a three-time All-Metro Conference selection. Uh, Scheme tendencies, vertical spread. 2022 projected role is starting quarterback. Uh, usually they say like a projected round on here, and I don't see that here. Uh, oh, they the, say he's uh, the number 126 player on the board. So that would put him back in like the fifth round, fourth, fifth round. I guess that's somewhere in the right spot. The My biggest concern with not, again, not watching him a ton, he's turning 25 in January. That's what I was going to say. When you're a grad transfer, that's not a young. <laughs> you're talking about like Brandon Whedon. Yeah, Bre- Whedon or Bryce Petty was like 100 years old when he was drafted, too. Um, that would be the one. And if he's a project, right, because you're taking him late, and then it's probably going to be a couple years before he can start. You're looking at, what, age 27 before he's finally getting your look? Yeah, right now uh, the draft network has Bryce Young as the number seven prospect, CJ Stroud number 14, Will Levis number 22, Anthony Richardson 28, Jaron Hall, BYU, 78. Cameron Ward, 125. Hendon Hooker, 126. Malik Cunningham, 170. Tanner McKee and Spencer Rattler to round out the uh, the next two at 185 and 220. Uh, the pros for Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker didn't initially earn the volunteer starting role in 2021, but it didn't take long for him to take the reins and flourish. Hooker features a sturdy frame, with good height and big hands, he has a good uh, has good arm strength and is capable of driving the football outside of the numbers and pushing the ball down the field. He has impressive moments of accuracy to all levels of the field. I love how clean his lower body throwing mechanics are. He sets consistent bases and finds consistent sequencing for both quick throws and shots down the field. His feet are quiet in the pocket. Hooker is an athletic quarterback with good mobility, offering a dual threat skill set. His physical ability creates a wide open playbook. Those are the pros. His cons. Hendon Hooker operates in a vertical spread tempo offense with very little translatability to the next level. The receiver alignments are incredibly wide and the vertical passing concepts are mostly foreign to the NFL. The system feasts on manufacturing space with very little progression, style passing. 
Hooker isn't tasked with making many decisions and throws are often predetermined. Hooker hasn't showcased himself as a quarterback who makes anticipatory throws, further complicating his projection to the NFL is that he turns 25 in January of 2023. So that's kind of what Matt was alluding to there. Yeah, I don't know. I keep saying I want a quarterback in the mid rounds, but like if hooker is the quarterback we take in the middle rounds and he's 25 and he's already like almost he's three years older than Zach. And like, it's like, I don't know if that's the right move. No, no. If he's, if he's 21 years old, that's a completely different conversation. Then you're talking about him being like 23, 24 when he's ready to start instead of like, I don't know, almost 30. Yeah. That's, that's not okay. There's no situation where I want to have our second year quarterback be a 26 year old player. (laughs) Like that, no. that seems uh, slightly concerning. Although, oddly enough, Mike White is going to be our quarterback that most of us want to come back, and he is going to be like, I think, 26 or 27 next year, um, if I have my years correct. At least he's know. got some starting experience under his belt, though. So Right? I think so. I think it all helps, especially because he's been with the team a little bit. Green um, Beans Burner says... Yes, let's take another young quarterback. So after 20 starts, we are burying him and begging for another. Yeah, no, I don't want to take a a young quarterback early in this draft. I would prefer mid-round, someone that can sit and develop, because like Berner is is talking about here, you don't want to have this kid thrown into the fire and, and us screaming for our pitchforks already. That's the downside of being in a New York market and, you know, drafting a quarterback so highly that needs time to sit and learn because we're not a patient fan base by any stretch of the imagination. No, which complicates this even more. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Jerome says from a milf to a hooker. There you go. Yeah. Oh. That's the sign, right? That'll be my next fantasy football team name. If we, uh, if we get them, put it, put it on a t-shirt. Uh, artist formerly known as Indy Jet says, didn't he tear his ACL twice now? I did not know that. Did he actually do that? Someone let me know. That's not great, if so. Herndon, let's say, let's say, Hooker ACL. Oh, no, that's not what came up. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Herndon, Hooker ACL. Um, so, so November 20th, they said was when he tore his ACL. So he's really, he's not coming back till like, it's probably a redshirt year for him next year. That's not good either. No. Yeah. I think I'm all set there. I'm out. Yep. Yeah. That's enough for me. I don't know how many years of eligibility he has, and I don't know if it would even help him to go back to school another year, given his age, but that doesn't seem remotely appealing to me anymore. Uh, Let's see. One one eight nine. Paris says the Jets need to draft developmental players so they can replace and fill in when players leave or get hurt. Don't waste a pick on a quarterback. Yeah, we still need a third quarterback at some point in time, and I don't know. Like, is Strevler enough of the guy? Because Strevler's kind of old too. Isn't Strevler like twenty seven? Yeah, I don't know if like. If they haven't activated him the last couple of weeks, I just don't know if they really trust him. I think he's fun. I think it'd be great to have him in a package and, mm-hmm. you know, 
if things go really bad, maybe see what he could do because I have no interest in watching Joe Flacco again. But I just don't think they view him as a serious option if they won't even activate him right now. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is political, though. Like, how much of that is, hey, we have Joe Flacco and, like, the optics maybe of Flacco getting benched when you're not really comfortable with playing Strebler anyway. Like, maybe there's a situation where Strebler's back next year as the third quarterback. I don't actually know what his – let's see what his contract is. It's got to be pretty um, cheap, I'd imagine. Well, I just meant um, as far as years. Okay, so he's only under contract for this year. So it's yeah. this year for, like, $250,000. Um, and he's 27 years old. So I don't know. I'd like yeah, to see him come back. I just don't want, I don't want to invest a ton of money into the quarterback position if we're having Mike White versus Zach Wilson next year, which hurts because yeah. that that feels like we're wasting a year. Maybe. Or maybe one, maybe it clicks for one of them and they're good. Yeah. But is there any like I don't know. I guess you're going all in on those two guys and that's just it is but, what it is. It seems like the most likely situation. Right? And, like, obviously, like I said, it's a gamble. It's also a gamble to bring someone else in. It's it's kind of just crappy that it, it hasn't been the number two pick. has just been good right from Jump Street. That would have made your life a million times easier. But, um, again, yeah, Joe Douglas is going to have his work cut out for him over the next few months because it's, it's not an easy decision. Uh, Rodrigo Costa says honest question zach ends this season as a jet but what makes us draft another one no visible progress a month before the draft um i don't i would be very surprised if we pulled the trigger on a quarterback early in this draft i mean maybe that's the time you do want to pull the trigger on a quarterback because then you don't have teams jumping you but it feels like this team is so ready to potentially win a super bowl with the exception of the quarterback position to roll the dice on another player that's young, that's going to need another two years before we're like, oh, well, now he understands the system and it's this huge playbook because Michael Flores has this massive playbook of plays. Like that to me doesn't sound very appealing, especially since Mike White has that understanding. Like for me, if we don't retain Mike White, I think Jimmy G or Minshew would be my my pivot. And I would make the deadline like, hey, Mike, we need to sign you before free agency starts. If you want to look elsewhere, we are going to have to pivot and look a different direction because we can't hang our season in the balance, but we want you back. We want you signed before we get to free agency. Right. And I don't necessarily know who's throwing the bag at him this offseason. Like I keep seeing that as a as a concern. And I know we talked about it earlier with maybe someone like Tampa Bay as a potential threat, but really I think the place where he'd get the best value for him would be with the Jets in a in a competition because he's going to get a big bump up in pay um, mm-hmm. and a realistic chance to start. So I, I don't see him going anywhere. I think he sticks. Yeah, I almost think it was actually to our benefit that he got hurt <laughs> in the Bills game because he at least will... I think I think his best option is to stay with the Jets. I think he knows the offense well enough. I think he knows the players well enough. I think the players and the coaches and everyone wants him. This, he feels... So similar to the Ryan Fitzpatrick 2015 to 2016 season. And I just don't want it to be 2016 where like Mm. Mike White turns back into a pumpkin and then like Zach Wilson just isn't the guy. And now we're sitting here talking mock drafts, you know, already halfway through the season. Like that's what I'm just trying to to avoid altogether. That would be bad. I don't I don't don't want want high floor. Like that's where like Jimmy G to me is like interesting, but but if White can be that. I just don't yeah. tr- I don't trust either one to be healthy. Like Mike White gets hurt every time he plays. 
It, so does Jim. I'd rather trust our own guy, I guess, right now. But with Jimmy getting hurt again, that really threw a wrench in because I thought that was such an obvious choice. But then it's like, okay, this guy just had another season-ending injury. Like this is this is an issue. Yeah, I, that's definitely what did it for me, especially seeing Mike White play to at least a caliber that I would consider comparable to Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we're talking ourselves in circles, and it's just going to be Mike White for Zach Wilson, and we're just going to have to get the fuck over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I know. I, unless they're adding like that veteran who is a uh, for sure upgrade, but I don't mm-hmm. know how likely it is. Uh, Dave Smith says, so would you guys rather spend uh, a lot of money on a Jimmy G car or would you rather pay Mike White a year or two and trade for Minshew? Well, Minshew's a free agent. Um, yeah. I think, let me, before I say that out loud, but I'm almost positive he is. I, I'm 99% positive he is also. Yeah, he is. He's uh, okay. So he's 26 right now. He'll be 27 next season. Six foot two, 220 pounds. His statistics uh, throughout his career are pretty impressive. You're talking like, what is it, like 6,000 yards or something crazy like that? So I think it was 6,000 yards and like 45 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. And he's got the mullet. <laughs> You've got them like he's got the stash. Like, how does that not scream like, like that's a man? <laughs> that's yeah. a guy that is barstool sports is, as the embodiment of a quarterback for me. He's he's a lot of fun. Uh, he is, and he you know he, he's got the moxie to him. I would I think it would be one or the other. I don't think you're bringing in Mike White and then also going to pay Gardner Minshew. Not. Yeah, I agree. They're not going to cost you a ton, but I don't think you're assigning both. I think it's one or the other. Yeah, I think something would really have to go sideways for Minshew to actually be here. Like, I, like either White has some sort of astronomically terrible injury in these coming weeks, like a like a torn ACL where he's not going to be ready for the start of next season, or like someone throws the bag at him and we have to pivot a different direction. And then maybe you look that direction, but I, I, I have no idea where Joe Douglas goes with this. And I'm really glad I don't have to make this decision. Same. We've been trying to talk ourselves into something for this past hour and haven't come up with a good idea yet. <laughs> uh, young Capo says, I'm looking at a post on Instagram right now. All these quarterbacks were in year three when they started playing good after getting a number one wide receiver. He's talking about Allen getting digs. He's talking about AJ Brown, uh, for Hertz, he's talking about Hill with Tua. We need to replace Davis, uh, which is weird because Corey Davis has been Zach Wilson's, you know, security blanket for his two years that he's been here. Um, and I do think that Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are both receivers that should have had impacts on Zach Wilson's potential already. Now, maybe you go out and you say, hey, we need to get a six foot five speed demon like just guy that can just be all over the field and he's just got to be better than you know Denzel Mims and we'll move on from from Corey Davis like is there any player that might be coming up in free agency possibly I haven't even remotely looked at at wide receiver because of how kind of set we are at the position I don't know any thoughts from you like I don't think it'd be like a number one if that's where young Capo's going. I think you Garrett Wilson's probably going to put up 1100 yards as a rookie this year with three different starting quarterbacks. That's your number one. I think you need more complimentary pieces. Elijah Moore, mm-hmm. Denzel Mims and Braxton and Berrios. All those guys are going to be here. But if you could add one more pretty good receiver, either in the draft or free agency, then I think mm-hmm. you do that. 
Yeah, I want like a jump ball guy. I want someone like a Plexico, like a six foot five, big bodied type of receiver. Right now, the top uh, receivers in terms of current average pay per year uh, by over the cap, Nelson Aguilar, 30 years old, Marvin Jones, 33 years old, DJ Shark, uh, 27 years old, Julio Jones, Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, T.Y. Hilton, which I don't know if he signed just through the end of this year with Dallas or if he's actually signed beyond that yeah there's there's not really a good crew of receivers hitting free agency at all um now this isn't in terms of like how they've ranked as far as like their actual play it's just based on pay so maybe i'm just missing someone on here but yeah, yeah i, I mean, would say I'm wide receiver is not a position to to look at in in free agency no unless you want to take like a flyer on DJ Shark as like your wide receiver three or four. He's your big, he's big body at least six four one ninety eight. Um, obviously not the player that he was, you know, in his second year in the league in twenty nineteen. But I think he can be, you know, an, an okay depth guy. Yeah, and this year he's got what? He's got is that right? One hundred and fifty four yards and two touchdowns. That's all you you got. Oh, from him? That was only played. In that was last year. Three, Last, three oh, I'm looking right here. Three twenty-four and three touchdowns. Yeah, in eight games. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't. I mean, the size makes sense, right? Like that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. Unless you start using your tight ends, like I don't feel like this was the first time I felt like we actually used Uzama in the passing game. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I like using uh, Uzama more. Uh, Conklin's been really bothering me um, the last few the few last few weeks, but um, I don't know. What about Marvin Jones? Another Jacksonville guy he's so old 33 he's a million years old he's like i i like Corey. i don't know what's Corey davis getting paid for next year i, th I think the the savings we're going to need is probably more important than i just don't want to like cut Corey davis and then like pay someone about the same as Corey davis as <laughs> like Corey, Corey davis yeah. knows uh so he next year's cap hit is 11 million dollars i I don't know. I mean, if you cut him, you save 10.5. So it's either, I think you're either drafting a receiver to be his replacement or you're hoping Mims steps into that role. And for me, Mims hasn't done enough to step into that role, but I also don't trust Corey Davis to stay healthy for a full 17-game schedule. What about Alan Lazard? That's an interesting one, right? Like, especially if the Jets were to try and, like, go after Rodgers – Maybe there's a situation where you bring in a Lazard to have some type of familiarity with him. I don't he's know. Big. I wish Rogers' contract wasn't what it was because he's an interesting, interesting option. I don't particularly like him at this point in his career. I think he's a little bit more of an asshole than anything else. But you know, it's it's interesting because Zach can learn behind him. He was his idol. Like, there's a yeah. lot of good things to like. Already knows the Lafleur offense. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on? Like, uh, what are your thoughts on Jordan Love? Like, what would happen if the Jets decided to make some type of move? Like, let's say Jordan Love, by all reports, it sounds like Jordan Love's going to request a trade if he's not named the starter for next year. I I don't see a way they find a way to move Rodgers. Um, do you think that Love is worth it? It's almost the same situation as... Uh, 
as Sam Darnold, where he's going into his fourth year. They're going to have to decide on his fifth-year option this offseason. So that could either raise or hurt his trade value, depending on how you view it, because realistically, I don't think the Jets could make a move until after June 1st. But I'm just saying, like, if he were to force his way out and say, hey, I want to trade because I want to start, what are your thoughts on him? I... I haven't seen enough for from him to feel comfortable. That is a massive, massive gamble. Obviously, he looked good in the extended time that he got against the Eagles, but I mean that he still only threw nine passes, nine passes in that game. Uh, for his career, you know, he's been in the league three years. He has eighty passing attempts. Um, so I, I, maybe there's something there, but I feel like that is a massive, massive gamble and pretty far down on the list. Uh, like I'd rather go with something a little more known um, in a like a Gardner Minshew um, mm. before I would think about trading for Jordan Love. Yeah, there's almost a part of me, and I don't know if it makes sense for the Packers to even consider doing this because there's only really a one-year difference between Love and, and Zach anyway because Zach's going to have three years on his deal after this season where Love could have as much as two. You know, maybe there's a situation where, uh, you know, you trade, you, you re-sign Mike White, he comes back, and then you say, oh, you know, Zach's, not going to be the guy the the relationship in the locker room so fractured you flip him for love now he's sitting behind his idol in green bay as opposed to sitting with us over here i just don't know what green bay would want for love or if it's even worth it for them because they've already had a quarterback sit and learn and it worked out pretty well for him and aaron Rodgers. now i don't expect love to be that level of quarterback but they've put a lot of time into him yeah they they definitely have i don't know if they'd be so quick and not that it'd be quick but um, I think they want to keep him around. Um, I, I don't see them moving on from him at this point. Yeah. Uh, Chrono Kenny says, why are we not playing Ruckert at all? I feel like he, uh, I feel like this kid would be a great receiver. I think it's just because we don't have to. This is the the benefit of having players in positions that you feel comfortable starting because you don't want to have to play rookies. Like ideally, Max Mitchell wasn't going to get a ton of playing time this year because Fant and Becton were going we're gonna to hold it down and then you bring it Brown and you, you don't want to force your young players to play. And I love how they're doing it with Jermaine Johnson. They're giving him drips and drabs and he's he's feeding, he's learning more of the playbook and he, he they have his set packages that he's in there for. It seems like he's in there on early running downs. He showed in his ability to, to get a little bit of pressure as well and i think he's going to fit nicely along with huff uh when we eventually move on from from carl loss in this offseason so uh i like not playing record right now yeah they don't really have to i think you know potentially next year like would it shock you if they moved on from one of tyler conklin or cg uzama uh and elevated Ruckert to play with you know the other guy i think that makes a lot of sense yeah, I feel like I'd want to go into training camp and see a little bit out of uh, Ruckert before making that move because I, I, while I've been disappointed in Conklin, I mean, he's been getting open and there's clearly skill there where Uzama, we've kind of focused more on his blocking ability and the two tight ends have really had a lot of fun with one another. Um, I don't think I, I don't particularly want to move on from either one, but it wouldn't shock me if we did make that decision by any means especially because yeah, of the investment in Ruckert. Right, and Conklin's kind of been a little disappointing. Um, I had high hopes for him, and I think he started off pretty hot, but the last few weeks have been tough for him. A lot a lot of drops and can't really make The Minnesota game pitches. for me soured yeah. me. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Sky C comes in and says, Hey, Ryan and Matt, I feel we are pretty loaded at most positions. We'll be able to pull in a top-shelf free agent plus Joe Douglas's draft savviness 
and our hurt players coming back all should translate to playoffs. Only question is quarterback in 2023. It's certainly the most important question. Yep. That's definitely, you know, touch the ball every play of the game. Yeah, and this is something that you've said a lot, too, with uh, free agency. I think it's going to be a lot of retaining the Jets' own guys Mm -hmm. than trying to go out and spend big money. Not that Douglas has ever really spent big money, but um, it's not like you're going to be looking through and seeing, like, all right, who are you going to pull? You know, you need a big edge. You need another corner. Mm -hmm. You need this and that. I think it'll be... uh, you know, depth pieces and, you know, extending Quinn and Williams, I think, are going to be the biggest things this offseason. Yeah, I agree. I think you're looking at, like, Mike White. You're looking at Huff. You're looking at Quinn. And, I mean, Quinn and yep. at the top of the list because, you know, he's he's very much deserving of the extension. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of retaining our own. And then it's going to be a little bit of, you know, getting all those, those players back from injury. Getting AVT and Brees Hall back is like getting two first-round picks back right off the bat. Like that's that's a shot in the arm in and of itself. As far as big time free agents, the only one I'm looking at is Jack Conklin. I think the mm-hmm. the benefit and the interest was already there with Joe Douglas. Now, hopefully, we have shown enough that he wants to you know gamble on us being over here. I don't know if he wants to stay in Cleveland, uh, try to rework his deal there, depending on how they finish out their season. It's gonna be fascinating to see. Um, but I would say I don't want to go after a top-shelf free agent, but I am excited. And I do think the biggest question is quarterback in 2023, like Sky C says here. For sure. um, let's see. How about them Jets says, can we trade Zach for Russell Wilson or get Lamar? I would be so upset with getting Russell Wilson. That he contract? is such a – oh, my God. The quarterback contract is so terrible for him. And I kind of – I kind of like sitting back and watching Denver just implode. Like, I don't even have any, like, ill will towards Denver. But, like, it just it just seems like it was such a bad trade. It was such a bad contract. Like, no, I want nothing to do with Russell Wilson. Uh, Lamar is weird, right? Like, that feels like the home run. Like, if Joe Douglas wants to drop his nuts on the table and say, hey, we're going to go for it all. I don't care what it costs. We have the team. We're winning right now. Go out and get Lamar, pay him a massive contract, but that is absolutely terrifying for me because I'm looking at guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Deshaun Watson, guys who got traded for a ton of draft picks, got a ton of money in uh, in their new contracts, and have really severely underperformed. I I don't know. I think if we do make a trade for Lamar, I feel a little bit of confidence knowing that Joe Douglas probably has some some ears down there in terms of how Lamar is as a person and how he is in terms of his growth potential. I just I've seen how running quarterbacks, you know, fare in terms of potential Super Bowl uh contention and we haven't really seen it. Yeah, and I don't think Baltimore is letting him go. I think at absolute worst they are franchise tagging him, but I think they're way too smart of an organization to just let him get away. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't really, I don't look at Lamar as a realistic option. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at too. I, I, th- I think this feels very much like the Kirk Cousins situation with the fear, not like the fear being Lamar's health long-term and viability and the, the risk of a contract where Kirk Cousins was more of a pride thing. Like we put so much energy into Robert Griffin, the third that we don't want to admit 
being so totally wrong on Kirk Cousins and give him the deal that he has earned. Instead, we offer him like a sham contract that is essentially two franchise tags or whatever they offered him initially. Um, yeah, I don't know. Quarterback's fascinating, and it's going to be the main topic of conversation. I'm probably going to do a bunch of mock off seasons based on different quarterbacks just to see what we could put together like that's interesting for me like okay what could we do if we traded for lamar like let's say we have no first round picks and we have none of this and like what do you do that sounds a lot of that sounds a lot like february to me right <laughs> right yeah this, this is not yeah. december in the playoff hunt kind of talk no no no, no but i mean like you're you're right like that i <laughs> feel like we're all going to be doing similar stuff like that as we should around mm-hmm. that time because it's going to be fun rj mcpot says y'all see trent brown like an Insta post on Jimmy G or Brady returning to New England. Also, did we uh, did we coin a nickname for the Patriots' last play in Vegas? No, I haven't seen that. So, RJ, no. if you guys know uh, a a good name for that horrible ending in Vegas for the for the the Cheatriots, um, I would love to hear it. But as far as Trent Brown liking a post on Jimmy G or Brady returning to New England, it depends where that post is from. And really, like, how much they like Bailey Zappi, what they think of Mac Jones. Because I'm not sure Jimmy G with the Patriots or Tom Brady with the Patriots at this point in time are necessarily that much better than either one of those guys. Um, I think when you see a loaded roster, like, I don't look at the Patriots and see loaded roster. I see a good team. But I would see the Jets as a more likely landing spot for either one of those guys. Honestly, if they wanted to pull the trigger and just like hit the reset button in Oakland. I think both these guys could potentially land up or not in Oakland, but in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I agree with that. I don't think, um, why would he go back to new England? Brady. Brady, There's no way Brady is. I feel like there's a really good shot. Brady wants to come to New York or San Francisco. I think San Fran makes the most sense. That's the team that he grew up rooting for. Um, Mm -hmm. I know New York, like getting to play uh, new England would be, huge for him but i don't know san francisco just seems to make too much sense yeah especially if they wind up losing jimmy g anyway and you got to try and figure out what you have in lance like the highest floor is probably tom brady (laughs) i would think if you wanted to to not not risk too much i don't know brian bogan comes in says i don't want lamar here with our field that's a blown (laughs) acl with his play style man that is horrible to think about but yeah that's I guess that is a concern, right? Like if there's some sort of astronomically more injuries that happened in MetLife, which I don't know if that is so much the case. I think it's more so like the type of field across the NFL is, is causing more injuries than other spots. I don't know. You think they make a change on the field, like in general with the NFL throwing a stink? They supposedly are next year, right? Aren't they getting a different, I'm pretty sure MetLife is getting a different. Oh, that's right. They're getting that new turf that doesn't like interlace. It doesn't have like the, it's like straight up and down, I think. It was like a more expensive turf, I think is what Greenbean was saying. Yeah, Greenbean had like a full breakdown on one of his streams. I was very invested in the different types of turf. That's why we miss Greenbean tonight. Greenbean, we hope you're doing well. If you guys didn't know, Greenbean's not feeling so hot right now. So make sure you hit that like button. For every like you give him, uh, he gets butterflies in his stomach that makes him feel extra happy and excited for Santa to come. So make sure you hit that (laughs) like button. That is the only way that we get to make green bean feel better. And to go along with that, for every 25 likes we do get, we're going to pick a t-shirt qualifier for the end of our stream, which is happening like right now. So I'm going to start ripping off some uh, 
contest qualifiers in the chat. Matt, can you go to last week's Talking Jets panel? Absolutely. Time flies when we're having fun. I wasn't even paying attention. I I know. It's crazy. We're talking about the quarterback for next year, and you blink, and it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be doing a lot of that this offseason, which is really frustrating because I feel like when you spend the number two overall pick on a quarterback, you should avoid this conversation for at least a few years. Uh, in a perfect world. <laughs> All right. We got Hawk, Hennessy, Heisman. You guys are both qualified. Whoop. I don't know if that actually worked out. I double tapped the old winner. Let's see what comes up. I'm picking, I'm picking eight qualifiers here. Tennessee double qualified. Sorry, dude. Pulling it. <laughs> Green bean party too hard for his birthday. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's see what else we got. 1189 Paris. Jet Up Buttercup. I like that. Man, Hennessy Heisman's getting blasted. Three different winners. That's good. <laughs> Impressive. Dom C. See, you're more likely to get picked by Nightbot the more you comment in the chat overall throughout this entire thing. I think that's how it works. I think there's some kind of, like, algorithm. There you go. So spam the comments next week. Or not spam it, but actually put yeah. the, you know, quality <laughs> we, comments we just, in there. Quality comments, talking, you know. Frequently. Yeah, yeah. Frequent, frequent good comments, not junk. Love it. Chrono Kenny. Two, three, four, five, six. All right, I need two more. Let's see what we got. See, I miss Green Bean. I'm not able to uh, to just not pay attention. <laughs> I have to do this at the end now. I I know it's it's a tough job that he has. He's really he really does a good job with it. <laughs> Rodrigo Costa says, "Damn, Ryan, your bot never chooses me." All right, Rodrigo Costa, you're gonna get picked. See, there, there we go. We go. Rigo Costa and Kev Chatta. All right, so I've got Hawk, Hennessy Heisman, 1189 Paris, Jet Up Buttercup, Dom C, Chrono Kenny, Rodrigo Costa, Kevin Chatta. Give me five names from last week's video. Okay, first one, we're going to do Exit NJ9. Okay. And he was. He was mad that Nightbot missed him last week. So there we go. <laughs> I love um, it. We'll go Big Hulk 6055. Okay. Chris Styles 7497. 7497? Yep. All right. Just another channel 9250. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, and and then we'll go Robert Sala 9402. Robert Sala 9402. All right. So guys in the chat. Hawk, Hennessy Heisman, 
1189 Parish, Jet Up Buttercup, Dom C, Chrono Kenny, Rodrigo Costa, Kev Chata, Exit, NJ9, uh, Big Hulk 6055, Chris Styles 7497, Just Another Channel, and Robert Sala 9402. All right. Odds are evens. Three, two, one. That's five. We're going with the odds. Hawk, you're gone. Parrish, you're gone. Dom C, you're gone. Rodrigo oh. Costa, gone. Exit, NJ9, gone. Chris Styles, gone. Robert Sala, 9402, gone. Three, Ooh. two, one. It's a 10. We're going evens. Jet Up Buttercup, gone. Uh, Kev Chatta, gone. Just another channel, gone. We are down to three. We got Hennessy Heisman, Chrono Kenny, Big Hulk, 6055. Chat, give us a number plus whatever we throw up here. Three, two, one. That's a six. Six plus a seven. That is an odd. So, Hennessy Heisman, you are out. Big Hulk, 60, uh. you are out. Chrono Kenny, Chrono Kenny, you are our winner. Bam, where's my Let's go. On, camera? Focus on it. Chrono Kenny, right up there. Bam. Thank you so much for playing. Reach out to me on social media so I can get your shipping information. Get you a shirt, send it out to you ASAP. Probably won't get there in time for Christmas with it being all uh, right down the uh, the road here. Uh, Matt, that takes us to the end of our show. Any last uh, thoughts for our panel? I missed Green Bean, but I had a blast hanging out with you, Ryan, and talking Jets. I hope that the next time we talk, the New York Jets still have a season. Jets getting the dub on Thursday. A new episode of Just Jets drops tomorrow. Let's go. I love it. Green Bean, we're hoping you're feeling better. We wish all of you guys out there a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, all the holidays, all that good stuff. We're going to take the week off next week, Tuesday. Uh, so we're not going to have any show. We're going to take some time for the holidays with family visiting and whatnot. Plus, we have our game on Thursday. So we'll be talking, all of us, uh, you know, well before then. So you guys will hear from us for sure. But boys, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. This is Ryan signing off. J-E-T. S Wilson pulls the trigger.